You ready? 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 Watch out, Grateful! Anyway, with the friends, the 
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will discuss sports for the next three hours. Uh, I am, of course, back as always, and we also have Lou uh, rejoining us this week after uh, not being able to make last week's show. Uh, Lou, welcome. Thanks, Steve. But, uh, I was involved, as as you know, that I'm involved in several other podcasts, and normally we do the show yeah. on Thursday, but that was a problem. So the only way they can do it was um, Saturday for like a pre-Super Bowl show, and we ended at eleven. I just I just missed making I just missed making the, you know, the cutoff. I really wanted yeah. to get in. Yeah. yeah, and you know it's, you know that that that's that's fine. I I kind of had a feeling that. Uh, Normally, you end up uh, sometimes having to uh, sometimes having to to join to join the other show uh, during our show, which is you know I have I have no problem with that. I kind of figured that. Uh, well, you're you guys probably had you're run, probably thinking with over. Taylor. Well, you're probably thinking with Taylor. No, um, I'm part of I'm a co-host of another show on Thursday nights, but there were complications doing it Thursday, so we did it on Saturday, and unfortunately, it was nine to eleven, and I wanted to rush off as soon as I can see. just to get just to beat the clock, but unfortunately, the clock beat me. I see. Well, you know, it's not it's no big deal. Uh, I had a, I had I've been but uh, have you back. Alexis. I'm sorry. I, I had Alexis uh, on with me uh, last week, so we talked uh, about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we did preview the Super Bowl as well. Uh, yes. Great game. We might as Great well game. start off. We might as we might as well start off with the Super Bowl because why not? I mean, it it seemed like it was a close, a much closer matchup than I thought it would be because easily oh. the number one thing the number one thing was would the Rams defense be able to break through the uh, the spotty Bengals offensive line and for the most part the Rams defense was held at bay. During the first half, it was really yeah. it was really the surge that went th- that went on in the second half. That all of a sudden, you saw LA uh, start to well. I mean, I shouldn't say start to take start to take control of the game because Cincinnati they did get out to a twenty to sixteen lead, but uh, LA they ultimately ended up uh, you know w- with the game winning the game winning score with about about a minute or so left to go. And, you know, I know how people say, oh, it's not the referees. The referees have nothing to do with it. <laughs> but uh, was it just me or did the referees decide to swallow their whistles all the way until the very end where literally oh, game-changing calls, two game-changing yeah. calls were made against Cincinnati. And to be fair, to be fair, the referees did miss a blatant face mask at the beginning of the second half, which resulted in the touchdown for T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. So they did miss 
a blatant face mask very early, yeah. very early on in the second half. And seemingly, I guess they made up for it with two, uh, with a holding call and a pass interference call. One of them didn't even look like it was pass interference. Or act, no, it was the holding. One of them didn't even look like it. Uh, it should have been called for holding to begin with. Yeah. But regardless, though, uh, you know the Rams. The, the 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 big problem with Cincinnati was they weren't able to take advantage of the of the field position that they were given, and the Rams. I, I mean, I had all the confidence in the world that the Rams would be able to march down like they did with at least two minutes left to go with that, with the arm that Matt Stafford has so easy, so yeah. easy for them to at least, uh, well, actually, no, they wouldn't have been able to get the, to get the tie. They would have just been able to, uh, they would have had to go for the touchdown. Uh, the Bengals though, I am kind of surprised that they weren't able to go down the field and at least tie it up. Uh, but that's more uh, that you know that's more of a credit to the Rams' defense, the fact that they were able to pressure uh, Joe Burrow like they did. And Burrow, it was revealed, was actually playing with a I think it was a sprained MCL that he suffered in I think it was the third quarter that he uh, he suffered the injury and yes. Ultimately, you know, I, I kind of feel like maybe that might have impacted things. Uh, however, the maybe the biggest impact, though, had to be the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. for the oh, Rams. Oh, yeah. I think it would be for the Bengals. What was that? I thought it would be a mentorship for the Bengals because whenever a player goes down with that magnitude, you know, I think maybe that's a chance – for the opposing team to, you know, like take advantage of it. I always think that, especially yeah. in, a, in a close game such as that, obviously that doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, they, well, here's the, here's the thing, though. The Rams, they, they seem to be cruising on offense before the Beckham injury. Yes. Once, once he ended up coming down with an injury, and I believe he tore his ACL, I think it was, uh, mm-hmm. which th- that is going to have ramifications – for uh, for next season, because I mean that's at least what a six a, a six month of recovery, and that's who knows if he'll yeah. even be uh, if who knows if he'll even be in shape for uh, for preseason. So that's gonna that's gonna drastically affect uh, affect him moving forward for, for the start of next season. And who knows if uh, how this is going to affect his free agency market, too. Because uh, he's going to hit free agency. Yeah. But prior to the injury, free agency he did really have two catches. He did have two catches for 52 yards prior to the injury. Uh, one of those catches yes. being a touchdown as well. And like I said, it seemed like the Rams' offense had been cruising along, and all of a sudden, the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. meant that yeah. the Bengals, the Bengals would be able to double, uh, would be able to double team Cooper Cup the entire rest of the way. But then again, 
it's not like that really did much help to them because Cooper Cup ended up finishing with eight catches, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, he, only missed, he, he only missed two attempts. Uh, he went eight of ten for uh, for that stat line. So, I mean, it's all in all, it seemed like the Rams were the more well-built team. I mean, their defense is easily one of the top defenses in the league. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole, the, you know, acquiring the likes of, of Von Miller at the trade deadline this year and how the Rams went all in with all of the, with, with the trades that they made. I mean, hell, they don't have a first round pick until 2024. Yeah. So it's, they, they really went all in for these next two years uh, with this team. And lo and behold, I mean, it's, it's given them, uh, the first Super Bowl since uh, the year since the year before Brady beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, uh, yeah. which is about uh, what twenty twenty plus years. I think the the last one was ninety nine. Yeah, right? something like that. Yes. Yeah, so twenty plus years. I mean, this uh, this was definitely. Uh, Definitely a well-deserved win for the Rams. Uh, Twenty-three to twenty. Matthew Stafford, twenty-six of forty, two eighty, two hundred and eighty-three yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Cooper Cup even attempted a trick play, but that ultimately yes. ended up faltering because of the fact that well, Matt Stafford can't jump. Right. But uh, regardless, that was enough. Uh, for the Rams, and uh, as well when it when it comes to the defense as well, they had a combined total of uh, let me see two, four, five, six, seven sacks, which I believe that wow. ties. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out uh, and uh, and remember who it was uh, that had gotten sacked the most in Super Bowl history. Uh, oh, it was st- in a game. Uh, this ties Joe Burrow now with Roger Staubach, who Whoa. got sacked seven times in one Super Bowl. Uh, for the most times a quarterback has been sacked in a single Super Bowl. Seven sacks. I mean, if, if anything, this should tell Bengals management – this is the one thing we need to focus on is uh, upgrading yeah. our offensive line, upgrading our offensive line in the draft. That's the one thing we really need to focus on this off season. Oh, yeah. uh, the run game wasn't really a problem with the Rams. Well, it was a problem no. with the Rams because they didn't, they couldn't really get anything going. Only 13 carries for 21 yards for Cam Akers. Uh, so, the run game was basically a non-factor. Uh, the Bengals, on the other hand, Joe Burrow, 22 of 33, 263 yards, uh, one touchdown. He didn't throw a pick. The problem, of course, was all of the sacks. Uh, Joe Mixon, 15 carries, 72 yards. Here's the thing that really boggled my mind, though, Lou, is that yeah. if you if you have a run game that's working – 
wouldn't it be obvious to stick with the run game? Uh, yeah, that's what I would do. Uh, it it, it kind of puzzled me that, you know, we were wa- we were watching a Super Bowl where with with the type of coach like Zach Taylor who sees that his Bengals are having success with the run, and then he decides now let's just have Burrow throw three consecutive passes on the very next uh, on the very next set of downs, and basically yeah. ruin the, any momentum that we had going. However, though, I mean, with all the passing that he did, you know, T. Higgins, four catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, One of those, obviously, though, should have been taken back because of the missed face mask call uh, that was called, or that should have been called, but was missed. Uh, Jamar Chase had five catches, 89 yards. Tyler Boyd, five catches for 48 yards. Uh, their defense had a couple of picks, uh, Chidabe Awuzie with, a, with an interception, as well as Jesse Bates yeah. with an interception. Uh, as far as the sacks go, I think they only had two sacks, though, one by DJ Reader and one by Trey Hendrickson. Uh, and Evan McPherson, he was perfect on, on, uh, on both field goal attempts as well as uh, the extra points. It just seemingly came down to a defensive game. Which defense was going to be the better defense? And right, you know, I uh, Evan and I even, or I'm sorry, Alexis and I even talked about this last week. That you know, the one the one thing that this is going to really come down to is the defense. And I mean, yeah. clear as day, we saw we saw very clearly that the Rams have the much superior defense. Uh, so, I mean, you know, overall, Lou, what did you think about this, uh, about this Super Bowl? You know, funny you should say it because I thought it was the Rams offense that was going to attack, you know, the Bengals defense. I thought, you know, it was going to be more of an offense type of game uh, for the Rams. So I guess it was completely opposite on that. And for the most part, it went exactly as I thought it was going to be a very close Nick game all the way through, I just thought maybe it was going to be a little more high scoring. So that was the only disappointment I, you know, I got. But all in all, it was one of the best games I think we've seen in quite some time. Granted, I had to burn that yeah. 13 to three sham a few years ago. Oh, brother. Yeah, it it did kind of surprise me a little. I think the big problem is when the old when Odell Beckham went down with his injury. That kind yeah. of threw things through a loop, but otherwise, you know, before that, the the offense really seemed to be gelling. You know, they didn't really seem to be having any problems moving down the field. Uh, obviously, the Odell Beckham injury is what pretty much threw a threw a whole wrench into that uh, into that. It only takes one injury. Whole thing. Oh yeah, no, it definitely definitely yeah. it only it only does Especially take one injury player. to completely. I mean, for example, uh, Brent, I'll give you an example. In the Super Bowl against the Eagles for the Patriots, when the Eagles won, oh, yeah. uh, Brandon, Co- Brandon Cooks went down with an injury very early. Right. Yeah. And that completely, that completely changed things for the changed the way of of how Brady attacked uh, the the Eagles defense. 
So I mean, it took away one key one key weapon that he had all season long. So obviously, you know that's going to really dra- that's going to drastically affect things, just like how it did for the for the Rams, because now, you know, the teams were able to the the Bengals were were able to uh, to double team Cooper Cup for pretty much the entire uh, the entire rest of the game. You're right, but I do think you know ultimate ultimately it was it was gonna come down to more of who was gonna have the better defense, and you know, I said last week that if the Rams can get to burrow, then it's gonna make life very difficult for burrow, and we we ended up it took them a while. But we ended up finally seeing that in the second half, and yes. I mean Burrow technically did perform better in the second half, but I mean ultimately, you know, it was it was that pressure in that final drive that uh, to, to end the game. It, it was that pressure that forced the that forced the Bengals to lose the Super Bowl. Because I believe he got sacked twice, if I recall correctly, and yes. then he had to uh, he had two more downs to get a first, and on the on that fourth down, he almost got sacked again. Or yeah, he almost got sacked again before he threw a, a lopsided pass that went incomplete, and basically that was the game. Yeah. When it when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Super Bowl, now there were a couple of question marks uh, at the end of this Super Bowl because word came out before the Super Bowl even began that this could this could be potentially Sean McVay's final NFL game as as a head coach. I heard. I mean it's. It's weird to say that considering he's so young. He's 36 years old. You know, not a lot of people were were thinking that he would be retiring at this early of an age. But uh, what fueled it was his comments that he recently made in one of his press conferences when he talked about wanting to spend more time with family and whatnot and maybe perhaps going out on top. And you know, it kind of surprised a few people uh, that this would even come out. Then uh, it's bad enough, you know, you're, you're thinking that maybe you might lose Sean McVay if you're a Rams fan. Then all of a sudden it came, it came out that I want to say it was about 40, maybe 45 minutes before the game when they were in the, uh, the final hour beforehand, uh, on the pre-show, it came out that Aaron Donald, the star pass rusher for the Rams, was contemplating retirement. If they, if he was able to go out and win the and win a Super Bowl. Now at the at the parade that they did in L.A., which by the way was maybe one of the worst Super Bowl parades I've ever seen, because there was. Barely a turnout uh, for the Rams. I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with COVID or something. I don't know. But there was 
barely a turnout Maybe. for a championship parade. Uh, at the championship parade, it seemed like Aaron Donald was saying, you know, maybe if we can get the whole band back together, maybe I'll come mm-hmm. back for another year. And Sean McVay, uh, his wife also said, there is no way that he is retiring this year. So yeah, it so. looks like it looks like McVay, McVay is actually due for an extension from what it sounds like. Uh he is set to be inked to a uh, to a huge extension at some point this off season. And as far as Donald goes, I mean, I never saw any reason for why he should retire when he's he's playing at the at the at the peak of his game right now at his age. So well, like you said, some what? like doing to go on top. I mean, some people uh, do it to go on top. I mean, no one likes to go home, you know, a loser. So. I can understand that, but at, at the same time, as age, I think he still has a few good years left in him. At 36, he wants to call it quits. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's kind of, it's kind of weird when 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 you're when you're looking at Sean McVay and thinking of him potentially retiring at his age when he clearly has more more years ahead yeah. of him. Uh, I, the one thing he did say was that he doesn't want to be one of those coaches who coaches until he's like sixty. Right, right. He doesn't want to be one of those type of coaches who's still coaching at that age. Um, but Aaron Donald, though, I mean, Aaron Donald is thirty. He's gonna be thirty-one in May, I think. So, yeah. It's weird with him performing at the level he's performing at. I mean, and you take a look at his resume, who, which honestly is already Hall of Fame worthy right now. Uh, Super Bowl champion, a three-time defensive player of the year. Uh, he also was a defensive rookie of the year in his first year in, two, in 2014. He's a seven-time first-team All-Pro. He's an eight-time wow. Pro Bowler. He also won the Deacon Jones Award, which is uh, the – basically the player that led the regular season in sacks uh, back in 2018. He's part of the NFL's all-decade team from the 2010s, and he also made the all-rookie team in 2014 as well. So, you know, he already has this huge resume, which he's just building on uh, with, with every game that follows here. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that he would be that he would be retiring at any point in time. You know, like you said, it's some players do like to go out on top, but however, yes. I mean, he still has quite a few years left of uh considering it said. doesn't seem like he does, considering it doesn't seem like he doesn't seem to be showing any signs of slowing down at all on the defense. No. Not at all. And and but also it kind of helps, know, too. The way I see it, you know, most players, you know, the majority, they, I think, if they're going to retire, they retire, like, you know, like, just after the Super Bowl. I mean, it's been a real week now. He hasn't said anything. So, I don't know if I buy into that day of retiring, at least not now. Oh no, he did say he did say something at the parade that 
basically he said that if that if they can get the if they can get the whole band back together, like re-sign everybody that uh, mm. that is you know coming up on on contracts mm. like Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Von Miller, and you know a couple of others that you know he would uh, he would think about about you know coming back or rolling it back as they say. Uh, and or running it back, you know, and yeah. coming out for one more run. But I mean, he still is under contract, I believe, for hell, quite a while. I think. Let me see. Oh boy, he will be multi. Yeah, multi-year summary. Let me see how much he is under for. He's under. He, he he'll be a free agent in 2025. So he still accounts for three more years. Yeah. So I would assume that. I mean, he. You're not gonna if you're if you're somebody who's looking at at. at at different figures when it comes to money, you're not going to pass up the amount of money he's making. He's making $29 million per year. Yeah. You know, you're not going to pass up that kind of money. But, I mean, taking a, just taking a look at some of their free agents this year, I mean, you do have Von Miller, who is, it seemed like at first that he was going to win a title with LA, then go back to Denver, but maybe perhaps, you know, winning a title in LA, you kind of have to wonder if maybe he might take a little bit of a pay cut if he wants to try and win another potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he made a whole bunch of money off of, uh, off of incentives this year. Uh, but, he will be a free agent. Obviously, his torn ACL is going to throw a wrench into things uh, when it comes to – I kind of wonder if maybe he may get a prove-it deal yeah. uh, for at least for at least this year to where, you know, they want to they wanna see how he'll be coming off of the injury before they decide to commit to him long term. Yeah. Uh, but else, otherwise, they got Darius Williams, who is also a free agent, uh, one of their cornerbacks. They got Sony Michelle, who is also a free agent. Austin Corbett, uh, and a couple of a couple of other uh, players as well. So, yeah, I mean, there there are a few people that they that they may potentially look at re-signing, but. I mean, obviously, the ones that they may want to look. There's going to be a certain a certain amount of people that they're going to want to potentially look at here. I mean, Austin Corbett, just going by off, just going based off of his market, uh, his calculated market value is around eight point seven mil per year. For mm-hmm. Darius Williams, I mean, you're probably looking at fourteen, maybe fifteen mil per year. You know, there's going to be a lot of money potentially yeah. uh being thrown around at these guys. So who knows mm-hmm. if the Rams are gonna get back everybody. 
I don't think so. I mean, especially in this age of free agency, it's pretty hard to hold a team together. Yeah, and as you know, as far as the rest of their team goes, I mean, Matthew Stafford, he'll be a free agent next year. I assume they'll probably bring him back uh, after next season. Uh, Cam Akers, he's a free agent in 2024. Uh, Daryl Henderson will be a free agent next year. Uh, looking at Cooper Cup, he is a free agent, I believe, next year as well. Wait, no, in 2024, I think he's a free agent. Uh, Robert Woods is yeah. locked up long term, so there's no problem there. Van Jefferson will be coming off of his rookie deal in 2024. Uh, so, you know, it seems like for the most part, most of their offensive uh, players are under contract for a, for a significant amount of time. Uh, Tyler Higby, uh, he is a free agent in 2024 as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, this is a this is a good question mark. Andrew Whitworth, you know, he's 40 years old. He just won his first Super Bowl. You kind of wonder if maybe he might potentially retire at the age of 40. That, of might, being be a, a left that tackle. might be possible. I mean, 40 years old, yeah. Yeah, you know, being a left tackle at the age of 40, you know, you kind of have to wonder how much longer is that body going to hold up. Not much. But, I mean, he did, you know, he he is on the hook for about 17.5 mil next year, so maybe perhaps he might go one more year and then, I don't know, 2023, maybe potentially look at retirement. Uh, Obviously, though, it's you know, it's easy for me to say that, but you take a look at – I mean, you don't really see offensive linemen going as long as he has at the age of at the age of 40 years old right now. Yeah. But uh, some other people on that roster, Leonard Floyd, you know, he's locked up for, uh, for, for three more years. He's a free agent at, uh, in 2025. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, he's a free agent in – well, hell, I don't know when he's a free agent, actually, because it has him listed yeah. here through 2025. So I don't know where when he's a – wait a minute, let me see. Okay, he's a free agent in 2027. So uh, he's locked up for quite a while as the, uh, as the anchor of that secondary. Um and obviously, their punt, their star punter Johnny Hecker is a free agent in 2024. Uh, Matt Gay, their kicker, is a free agent this year, but he's restricted. So it sounds like chances are he will probably be brought back. Now, now for the Cincinnati Bengals, though, yeah, if we take a look at their roster. Obviously, Joe Burrow is well set uh, until 2025, so no worries about Burrow. Uh, No worries about Mixon, uh, apart from a club option in 2024, which I assume they they would probably pick that up. So he's a free agent uh, in 2025 as well. Uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are set to be free agents in 2024. Jamar Chase. 
not until 2026. For the most part, it seems like most of their offense is really set as well as their defense in terms of free agency. Uh, most notably, the the one person that's most notably a free agent this year for the uh, for the Bengals is is Larry Ogunjobi, as well as mm-hmm. uh, Vernon Hargraves Hargreaves and Jesse Bates as well. Uh, Eli Apple is also a free agent, but I'm former giant. The way the way he got burned in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, who knows if they'll even if they'll even entertain him coming back. But you know, you know, it's funny. Eli Apple originally said that he wanted to. Uh, he originally begged his defensive coordinator apparently to line him up with Odell Beckham Jr. all game, and instead they lined him up with Cooper, and we saw what that did. I thought maybe they want to go back to the Giants. Well, I don't know if he wants to go back there with the with the dysfunction that they that 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 organization has had yes. for the last uh, for the last decade or so. But it se- it seems for the most part, you know, both teams are really set uh, in terms of in in terms of long term salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that kind of worries me, though, is the Bengals. I mean, most of their offensive line is barely making above a million dollars, if making a million at all. So mm. their offensive line is very cheap right now from the looks of things. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we potentially see the Bengals try to try to address their offensive line issues. In free agency this Brazil? year, either in free agency or in uh, the draft. Oh, and that's another thing, actually. Uh, CJ Uzama, uh, one of their top tight ends, is actually a free agent this year. So uh, that's one person they're going to have to look at re-signing. But you know, for for the most part, the, the Bengals—they're a young team. You know, nobody yeah. was even expecting them to make it to the Super Bowl this year, let alone no. have a winning record. And, I mean, it was so low that I believe the odds were, uh, with the Bengals making the Super Bowl, they had odds at before before the season even started at plus 8,000 for the Bengals to make the Super Bowl. Uh, that's how... That's that's literally how uh, how poorly Vegas thought of of the Bengals before the season even began. So you know, it's I would assume that you're probably looking at a much better uh, at a much better outlook uh, next season for the Bengals. I would assume that you're probably. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they're the new kings of the AFC North at this point. Probably not. I mean, as I said, you know, I think it was for Burroughs injury last year, they would have been a lot better 
uh, their record show last season. So I really wasn't yeah. surprised too much to how well they did uh, this year. I don't think I was thinking Super Bowl, but I thought it would be a significant improvement. I mean, to go from oh, yeah, four exactly. and thir- to go from four and twelve and one last year, or whatever the hell it was, to Super Bowl uh, uh, runner-ups this year, uh, it's, it's quite a remarkable story. You don't really see a team, especially in football, going from worst to first in the year. Only the Jets can do that. I mean, so this was quite a, this was quite a big turnaround uh, for for a team this season. Yeah, and considering the state of the other three teams in the AFC North, I mean, the Steelers, they lost Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they lost their general manager. They've lost, they're going to be going through significant turnover in that organization. Oh, yeah. I mean, they did, oh, yeah. just, they did just hire Brian Flores for, uh, I think yep. it was a senior, defense, senior defensive assistant or something like that. So yes, uh, they did just hire him. Which, uh, by by the way, I mean that. Ha, have we talked about that lawsuit yet? Did I mention? Did I talk about the lawsuit at all the the week before uh, last, or was it? I think you did. Yes, I think you did. I mean, and who hasn't talked about it now? You know, it's 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 still it's still um, you know escalating. Yeah, I don't know why he's got a job now. So what he still is, what he still bitching about? Well, I think he's he's oh Carl Anthony Towns going off in the three point contest right now. Ooh, oh my god! The game actually. And, oh, he completely twenty nine points for Carl Anthony Towns in the uh, in the finals nice. of, of the. Uh, of the three-point contest, but he completely bricked on all five shots of the final rack, though. That could be a uh, – he's up against Luke Kennard of the uh, Clippers. Ah, come on. Cat's got a number on him. Um, I don't know, though. Kennard looked, uh, looked on fire earlier. Yeah, I mean, he had the highest uh, point total, I believe, of the, uh, of the preliminary rounds. But you know, go, going back to the go, going back to the NFL though, I mean Brian Flores, that whole entire situation with Brian Flores and the and the lawsuit, it's. I mean, at the, at, at some point, you know, you kind you kind of have to wonder. With uh, especially, they're now looking at, uh, you know, Roger Goodell potentially getting an extension. Commissioner of the NFL, uh, and I got to tell you, he hasn't really been handling this whole thing well at all with the uh, with the lawsuit. So, you know, I I I just don't really know what's going to come of uh, of Flores's lawsuit. But I think the one of the things yeah. that kind of helps him though is the fact that. You have a guy like Lovey Smith who gets hired by uh. by Houston when I mean granted he was a defensive he was the defensive coordinator last year for Houston, but he wasn't even a finalist so right. you know he wasn't even a finalist uh it was down to Josh McCown. 
and Brian Flores. McCown, obviously Houston looked at it as, okay, it's, this isn't going to be a good look if, uh, you know, if we hire a, a, a career backup quarterback who hasn't had any coaching experience in the, in the bigs or even in college whatsoever, you know, it would be a bad look on our organization. So it's like they decided, well, shit, we're down to Flores now, and he's currently suing the league. So we got to find somebody really quick that wants to be a head coach. And they ultimately ended up going with Lovey Smith, which, I mean, fine, he has a prior track record, but he wasn't even a finalist. So, if anything, I think that actually kind of helps the lawsuit for uh, for Flores. Because, yeah, you hired a black coach, but the guy wasn't right. even a finalist. He wasn't even interviewed until the very last second. I get it now, yeah. I mean, you're supposed to do that first before you even think of hiring. I mean, what was going through them? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, just, some, there's, there's something fishy about that. There's a conspiracy there. Well, yeah, it's because it's because they they determined oh, yeah. that they probably determined that Flores was the best out of those that they hired, or I mean that they uh, that they interviewed. But yes, you know it's uh, it would basically look bad on them. They probably felt if oh we're going to hire a coach who is currently suing the league. Hmm. So, and it looks like Carl Anthony Towns is the winner of the no three-point contest. No sweat whatsoever. Nah, anyway, all along. You don't mess with cats. Yep, it's. Uh, he won. Uh, he won by three. Uh, by three points. So let's see. Yeah, uh, you know, go, going back to uh, to what we were talking about with uh, with Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh. They're they're completely. They're in a retool. I don't know if they're in a complete rebuild at this point, but I want to say maybe a retooling. I don't know though. At quarterback, unless they can, unless they can somehow lure Aaron Rodgers or something, or maybe one of the bigger name quarterbacks in free agency. Yeah. I just don't see the Steelers uh, being legitimate contenders for the AFC North. I don't know. It's just yeah. And I mean the other two teams, you know, the the Ravens, they they had John Harbaugh's first first season being under five hundred in his history, I believe, in the NFL. Uh since he yeah. since he even be, became a head coach in the NFL. And the Browns I mean the Browns are in disarray right now as it is with uh with Baker Mayfield and everything. So yeah, back to the you know, where they used to be. I, I would expect.
expect that the Cincinnati – you're probably looking at the Cincinnati Bengals as the kings of the AFC North for for quite a bit moving forward here. Yeah, yeah like I just said, the Bengals are back um, to their old ways. And, you I know, mean, I mean, well, I, I mean, you, you know, because, like, uh, I should say the Browns, they're back to their old ways. They, they were good for one year, and then they just went back to their old ways of, you know, being a complete joke. It doesn't help either how they uh, how they handled Baker Mayfield. The fact that, well, I mean, obviously, you know, he had problems with his uh, with his shoulder. I think so. He's having, I think it's shoulder surgery or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Maybe it was his. I don't know. I don't know. I, I forget exactly if it was his shoulder or something. But he's having surgery on something this off season yes. to get something corrected, uh, mm-hmm. and. They're hoping that he'll be back to normal uh, for the start of the season. But, yeah. you know, the whole thing with Odell Beckham Jr. didn't help things. And it, it just seemed like this this Browns team this year wasn't the same Browns team uh, that, uh-huh. that, that, that got Kevin Stefanski the Coach of the Year award last year. Yeah. Now, as far as the Rams go, I mean, you look at the NFC West. I mean, the Cardinals—they're having this whole entire. What, what do you think of the of the uh, Kyler Murray situation in Arizona, where apparently they're looking? Uh, many of the veteran players see him as immature, and yeah, the fact that it's it seems like they're kind of alienating uh, their their franchise quarterback to where uh, he's removed all instances of, uh, of the Arizona Cardinals from all of his social media accounts. And in return, the Cardinals have removed any instances of him from not just their social media accounts, but also their website as well. I mean, it seems like that this is a, a marriage that's right now very rocky. Between Kyler Murray and the Arizona least, yes. Cardinals, I do. Do you think that Murray could potentially be on the trade block this uh, this off season? I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think he's here right for the trade block sooner rather than later. Ultimately, yeah, really, though, you know do. that may actually be that may actually be worse for the Cardinals. Have him yeah. on the trade block. I mean, I. I know they're looking at him. They're trying to make him into a skate into the scapegoat for the reason why they got eliminated from uh, from the yes. playoffs against the Rams. They're trying to look at him as the scapegoat, but and obviously he's taken great offense to that. I just i I don't think it's the right move for Arizona to to potentially move on from him because. You're not going to get the type of quarterback like Kyler Murray all too often in this, uh, you know, in this day and age in the NFL. And he has basically transformed your. Te- he's helped transform your team from being an obscurity to all of a sudden slowly becoming a contender. And I, I just don't agree. I mean, they went eleven and six this year. You mean to tell me you're going to go eleven and six, and you think something's wrong with your team? 
more specifically uh, your quarterback? Don't get me wrong. It's it's just it's a it's a very bad situation right now in Arizona. Uh, yeah. So if they potentially move on from Murray, I mean that's that basically moves the 49ers in position to potentially compete for uh for the for the NFC West title as I mean they finished at 10 and 7. It's it seems like maybe perhaps they're going to move to Trey Lance and move Jimmy Garoppolo this off season. Right. Um I mean they're still going to be in the thick of things though. And Seattle, you know, Seattle, they finished 7-10. and 10. Uh, There's been rumors surrounding Russell Wilson, whether or not they'll move on from him or not. I don't know, but I wouldn't expect Seattle to have the same season this year or next season that they had this season because Wilson is actually going to be fully healthy next year. So... I would assume that we'll probably see Seattle back in the mix. The NFC West, it seems like it's going to be a hard, a hard division for the Rams next year, I feel. I mean, I would still look at the Rams as being the front runners for the, to, uh, to win the NFC West, but yeah. I kind of feel like it's going to be, it's going to be, a tougher time for them than it would be for the Bengals with the North. Well, yeah. Yeah, like I said, with free agency, you know, of course, uh, rampant, um, you know, that, that, could, that could change a lot. Like I said, I don't expect them to win the Super Bowl, but I think they'll be, you know, a shot to win the division. Yeah, I mean, granted, you know, nobody, nobody was expecting the Rams to take the Super Bowl this year. I mean, everybody – for the no. NFC, everybody was looking at everybody was looking at either the Packers or the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, Packers nobody was looking at the Rams. Yeah, nobody was looking at the Rams. So no. well, I wasn't looking for a three P with Tampa either. No way. No, but uh, you know, Tampa. They just com- uh, that, that's a whole entire situation in and of itself. Tampa. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll switch over. We'll switch over to the, over to that. You know, the whole thing with Tom Brady. It seems like that uh, that marriage uh, ended very sourly. As the reason why he retired was, it seems like there was there was a more along the lines of Arians seemingly wanting to take over as the main person in in Tampa Bay like almost as if winning a Super Bowl uh basically brought a whole bunch of ego and power to his head essentially even though it was fully Tom Brady the main reason why they were even in the Super Bowl in the first place so you know, it's it sort of seems like Brady just wants out of Tampa, and he couldn't do that unless he retired. So, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that, Lou? You know, it seems like the Brady retirement was kind of was kind of shocking, considering the fact that he was playing, still playing at such a high level, winning, uh, you know, having an MVP worthy season this year. 
I mean, could we potentially see Tom Brady back in the NFL again, but maybe not for the Bucks? That is a possibility. I think if he does, I think maybe he'll want to go back to New England because I think, you know, without uh, without New England is looking back the way they were, say, pre the Brady years, you know, they were, well, they were trash. They were horrible. So I don't know about him going to back to Tampa for another year. If he does come back, which I don't know if he will. I mean, you know, 46 is pretty old for a player. So I don't even know if it would be wise for him to come back. I think the loss – uh, to the 49ers, I think, took a lot out of him, and maybe that rendered his decision, and also his wife. So um, I'd say it's a long shot that he would come back, but if he does, I think he wants to go back uh, to be with the team I refer to as them. And if he is not coming uh, back, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, the Gronkinator uh, retires too. And by the way, yeah, no, I you're w- still not special. I would still, I would still assume, I would still, I would, I would assume that Gronk is probably going to retire. I mean, he hasn't made the decision yet, but I would expect that we're probably looking at retirement from Gronk because uh, he's yeah. already said he wouldn't play, he wouldn't play for another quarterback that wasn't Brady. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't see, I don't see him playing for another quarterback, basically. But, I mean, the the Buccaneers, you know, they're going to be losing a whole lot of people anyways this offseason. You know, Chris Godwin, does he really have any incentive to stay there now, now that, you know, they've lost Brady and – no, they no. may potentially go. They may potentially go back to a cellar dwelling team, perhaps. You know, I would be surprised. Oh, that's another. Th- that's another thing I just remembered with Brady. Uh, Brady yeah. and Byron Leftwich, who of course is the offensive coordinator, uh, they would uh, very often get overruled by uh, by Arians and. When they would show up for practices and everything and get the game plan nailed down, uh, uh-huh. they said it was very often it was very often that Bruce Arians would show up late to practices and then claim all of the credit for game plans that were that were put in, even though you can't it was do all that. Brady and even though it was all Brady and Leftwich that did it. You're going to take the credit, uh, show up for games late, and you're still going to take credit for it. Uh, no. No, you don't do that. So that is, from what it sounds like, that is partially the reason why Brady moved on and retired. Because, right. I mean, if there's one thing that you saw in New England, I mean, yeah, maybe Brady wasn't able, wasn't allowed to be himself. In New England, yes. but Brady had okay. but Brady had power in New England. Belichick right. never, you know, Belichick never stepped on his toes or anything. Belichick, I mean, honestly, Belichick cared more about the defense than he did the offense. So, yeah. if anything, you know, Brady was more working in conjunction with uh, with Josh McDaniels his entire time, or, or Bill O'Brien, whoever was the offensive coordinator uh, each year. You know, 
Brady had more input in New England than he seemingly did in Tampa these two years. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. the first year in Tampa, he had a shit ton of input because he was, uh, you know, he was the the greatest of all time heading down to try and get one more ring. I mean, it's it's kind of not really a shock now that that marriage basically fell apart like it did. Uh, match made and as far as as far as if he would come back to New England, I just I don't really know if he would. I think the only opportunity mm. that I'm thinking of is if maybe Mac if Mac Jones has a uh, a bad sophomore year this year this up this upcoming season maybe perhaps the patriots would look at trying to lure brady out of retirement but i just don't see i think i think brady's time with new england is done you know the 20 the 20 plus years that he uh, that he spent with new england uh then I guess supposedly Robert Kraft is still is still sour on how he left New England, like he did. So yes, I think if he if he returns at all, you know it's very interesting that he still hasn't fired he still hasn't filed retirement papers yet with the league. I think the only way he comes back right. to New England is. The only way he comes back to New England is to retire with a one-day contract. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I just don't see, I don't see him, uh, you know, coming back to New England. It, it seemed like with how New England ran things this year, that this was, you know, this was Mac Jones's team now. I mean, hell, that's why they got rid of that's why they got rid of Newton before the season even yeah. began. This is this is New England officially turning the page and basically finally having their successor to Tom Brady. Yeah. I would be surprised. Let me put it that way. I would be surprised okay. if Brady. Um, if Brady comes back to New England for anything besides uh, a one day a one day contract to officially retire as a Patriot, and you know I just found the thing here um, going back to to Brian Flores for a second, uh, he did officially add the Texans to his lawsuit alleging uh, discriminatory hiring practices in the NFL. Uh, he, the Texans now join the Broncos, Dolphins, and the Giants, uh, organizations that allegedly discriminated against Flores in head coaching searches over the years. Uh, apparently, Flores will reportedly claim that the Texans' refusal to hire him as head coach this month was retaliation for the legal actions that he has taken against the NFL a charge which will obviously be nearly impossible to prove. Um, According to Mike Florio, a pro football talk says that key witnesses will be grilled aggressively during depositions in an effort to test their stories. And ideally from Flores's perspective, 
to blow holes in them. So, I mean, this is the, this is just a, a first in probably a number of twists and turns that are probably going to come here in the following months. Of course. And good news, by the way, for the Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow will reportedly not need surgery to repair the MCL sprain that he did suffer in the Super Bowl. Uh, tests revealed after the game that he had he had just an MCL sprain. Uh, he is ex- he is fully expected to recover with rest and rehab. So uh, that's good news for uh, for Cincinnati that they don't have to deal with another burrow injury, which by the way, this I believe yeah. uh was to the I think it was to the same leg or no, it was to the other leg, I think, that he injured. Mm. As opposed to the one that he had to have surgery on last year. In Indianapolis, it looks like maybe the marriage between Carson Wentz and the Colts is officially over. Mm. Uh, according to the uh, according to the Athletics, Bob Kravitz, uh, he said it would be virtually impossible for the Colts to bring back Carson Wentz next year. Uh, he has covered the Colts for many years, and he said that Wentz is as good as gone before his $15 million base salary becomes fully guaranteed in March. Uh, The refusal to commit to Wentz by both head coach Frank Reich, uh, general manager Chris Ballard, as well as team owner Jim Ursay, uh, has made it impossible for the team to hang on to Wentz for for this next upcoming season, according to Kravitz. And it says here that one of the factors may be Wentz's refusal to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And his, it says here his COVID-related absence during preparations for a critical late-season game against the Raiders reportedly didn't sit well with the team. Uh, it's also stated that the Colts can't afford to run it back with Wentz, who never inspired all that much confidence of his teammates and his bosses during his time in Indy. Bring him back, and you're courting full-scale disaster. So, I mean, regardless, they will not have an easy time trying to find a team that would be willing to absorb that amount, that, that kind of salary unless maybe they try and make a swap uh, for Kyler Murray, which, honestly, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. And uh, ESPN's Chris Mortensen agrees with this. He reports that Carson Wentz will probably be traded or released before the start of the new league year. Hmm. Um, According to his report, his – According to his report, his fu- his future in Indy looks bleak, uh, which obviously doesn't come as a surprise given how their season ended and the lack of support that he has received this off season. So if they do release him, they will take on a dead money cap hit of thirteen point three million dollars. So I mean it's. That that whole entire Indianapolis, you want to talk about messy organizations. 
Indianapolis may yeah. be one of them as well. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I wouldn't doubt it. Kind of makes you wonder, though, I mean, who in the hell would their quarterback be? Yeah. I mean, I know they do have uh, – I, I know they do they do have – a rookie, I think that they that they uh, just had. They just drafted this year, I think. Let me look. This year was it? I think it might have been last year, maybe. I think it was. Yeah, I think it might have been last year. Let me look real quick. Uh, no, actually, no. They have two rookies. Uh, oh, James Morgan. They had James Morgan, who was drafted, I think, two or th- uh, either one or two years ago. They have Sam Ellinger, who was just drafted this year, and he's committed basically towards the same amount of years as Carson Wentz. So, I mean, maybe they might move on to Ellinger. I don't. I guess I don't know. I, I he was a sixth round pick this year. I don't know if he. Hang on, let me look, let me look at how he did in that one start. Uh, yeah, no, no. I I don't think that the Colts are gonna. I would be very surprised right now if they move on from Wentz. Because it doesn't seem like they really have anybody behind uh, behind Wentz that would that would be ready to step in. I mean, James Morgan didn't even play this season. Yeah, no, I I think it would be a big mistake if they move on from Wentz. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, going back to the Sean McVay, uh, extension talks, uh, he does have two years remaining on his current deal, but it sounds like that they want to try and lock him up long-term and basically an extension would give the Rams assurances that he would be there for the foreseeable future, uh, and he actually he's never had a losing season. Not only did he win a, has he gone to two Super Bowls and won one of them, but he also went 55 and 26 in the regular season, including overseeing a top 10 scoring offense this past season as well. Uh, also, I guess. Uh, according to Chris Mortensen, the Rams are certain that impending free agent Odell Beckham will reportedly be back with the team next year. Um, it does say that. It does say though that it seems like maybe re-signing him may be unreal. It may prove to be unrealistic, considering that they are an extremely top-heavy cap situation, and he's probably going to be looking for for a pretty big contract. 
So I don't know. I don't know. That might be kind. Of, that might be kind of hard for them to uh, to potentially re-sign him. Looking at their cap situation now. What is interesting, though, around the league is the Buccaneers have apparently done have apparently done extensive homework on Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, which uh-huh. everybody remembers. Everybody remembers Deshaun Watson has been has had legal issues uh, yes. involving the uh, the sexual assault claims, but. In recent months, there has not been any news on that situation whatsoever. So it kind of makes yes. you wonder if we're headed down the Antonio Brown road here, uh, with yeah, in, in regards to in regards to maybe this gets settled out of court, just like it did with Antonio Brown and his accuser. Uh, but the Bucks apparently are uh, they're looking for clearly for a Brady replacement. I know it's been talked about that maybe perhaps uh also in the running for would be uh maybe a reunion with Jameis Winston uh w- with him being potentially fully recovered from uh from his injury that he suffered this year. Uh also, they have been linked to Russell Wilson as well of the Seattle Seahawks, but it doesn't seem likely that uh, Seattle would be moving on from Wilson at any point. So uh, Deshaun Watson to Tampa Bay, maybe perhaps they could, if they do get Watson, maybe perhaps they could still be in the Super Bowl uh, conversation. Well, it's possible, but I still doubt it. I mean, yeah, it's it's you know it's a different it's a different mm-hmm. thing from go, going from a Super Bowl uh, or you know from the greatest of all time Tom Brady to a guy like Deshaun Watson, but yeah, you know Watson has the talent. You could potentially question. convince if you're able to bring back Watson. You could potentially convince some of your some of your high level free agents to potentially re-sign. Yeah, I mean he has a talent, like you said, and then he has the potential. But I don't know. But you know, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Yeah. I got I, I, and plus there would be some hesitation considering his off court uh his off court yeah. issues, the legal issues and whatnot. But legal I issues. mean it would be it would be an option. Oh my god. Cole Anthony they're doing the, the dunk contest right now and Cole Anthony just oh, yeah. did a uh just did a windmill dunk uh with his father holding up the uh, the basketball in work boots. Uh huh. I guess, I guess that's the uh, that's the creativity that they're uh, that they're going with that they're going with here. I, I guess maybe he was trying to trying to show some sort of street ball or something. 
yeah, he got a total of 40. Well, I guess that's not bad for a first dunk. 40 of 50. I guess that's not bad. That's not that bad. Um, you know, you know, Lou, the the dunk contest competitors this year seem kind of underwhelming. I mean, mm. you have Cole Anthony from the Magic. From the Magic, you got Juan, Tus- Juan Toscano Anderson from Golden State. You got Obi Toppin from the Knicks, who very clearly has the most dunks out of everybody uh, this season. If only they can uh, help the Knicks where they are right now. Dirty, no good. Yeah, if only that would that would help the Knicks right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's not a bitch. But I mean, he's isn't he coming off of the bench this year though? Yes. Or has he been starting? No, I think he's been coming off the bench. You know that might play that might play a factor into why. I mean, he's he has very low numbers this year. Only seven point three points per game, three point six rebounds. I think perhaps coming off of the bench is the reason why. Uh, it is an upgrade from last year, though. Last year he only had about four point one points per game and two point two rebounds. Yeah. Uh, and and you also have Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets. I think right now we are up to Juan Toscano Anderson uh, from Golden State with this one. And he does the one hand dunk over. Was that Davis? No, wait. Oh, I forgot. I forgot who that was. But he did a uh, one handed dunk over. Oh no, that might have been Andrew Wiggins. I think. Um, possible. Yeah, one a one-handed dunk over the head of Andrew Wiggins. I mean, it to me, it's just the AT and T slam dunk competition this year. There's not really big names that like you see every year. It seems like every year there's at least one or two different big names that you see. Oh, that is a 44 out of 50 for for Toscano Anderson. So that's a little bit better. Um, let's see. Oh, according to an NFL executive, uh, they said the commanders could justify trading the 11th pick in the draft this year for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh yeah. Apparently, it, he said that the executive doesn't think that Garoppolo is worth the 11th selection or any first-round choice based on skill set and injury history, but they believe, uh, that person believes the organization could justify the move if they deem the draft's top quarterbacks as unstartable. Which obviously means that they're probably planning to move on from Taylor Heineke. Uh, this upcoming season. Oh, Obi, why did you miss that? Oh, he boy. absolutely, he absolutely cleared the guy that he was that that he was uh, trying to dunk over. Absolutely cleared him, and he even ran into the uh, he ran into the reporter. Well, actually. That's gonna hurt. 
Uh, you know, another thing too is with uh, with Snyder, uh, the owner, and the problems surrounding Washington as well. Yeah. You know, it's they're another team that's that's basically that's basically on the rocks when it comes to the NFL. Yeah. Now, see, I, I don't, I don't know if you're watching, if you're watching the slam dunk contest, Lou, but I got a dunk game right now. Oh, okay. That that uh, that first wasn't bad by by Toppin. That was his final attempt for the first round uh, to try and land that to try and land that dunk. And ooh, that was around the back actually. That was an around the back dunk. So. That could be a forty-five, I think. Um, you know, the, there has been been rumors that apparently the league could be forced. Oh, Dominique Wilkins gave it a ten. Wow! So it is. So it is a forty-four. He would. Actually. Um, you know, Dolphins owner. Uh, th- there's been talk around the league that not just not just Stephen Ross of the Dolphins, but also Dan Snyder of the Commanders may be forced to sell the team, uh, each of their respective teams, through a a league vote of all of the Uh owners. If if not just the uh, investigation into uh, the tanking allegations are proven true, but also, of course, if more news about the uh, about the emails and all that shit comes out true. Yes. If all that comes out true, then it's entirely possible as well that you could see perhaps Dan Snyder uh, uh, mm-hmm. having to sell the commanders as well. And when it comes to Stephen Ross, it says here that uh, according to Ian Rappaport, Stephen Ross would force or would face severe discipline up to and including losing the team by a vote of fellow owners, according to uh, Rappaport's sources. Uh, and Commissioner Goodell did hint at such a fate last week, saying that if there were violations, they won't be tolerated. And I do believe that clubs do have the authority to remove an owner from the league. So, I think I mean, they do. Yeah, you're Ross right. Has, Ross has since vehemently denied all of the all of the allegations. And even if the league's investigation t- turns up some troubling details, it might still not be enough to force a sale. Uh. Fans need no look. No, uh, uh, basically, fans need look no further than the owners' decades of protection afforded to uh, to Washington owner Daniel Snyder. However, if Snyder is forced to sell the team, possible that Ross may be forced to sell the the Dolphins as well. And uh, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, another team to keep an eye on for him is the Minnesota Vikings, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. As 
first off, when it comes to uh, to their current uh, their current quarterback, Kirk Cousins, there's a twenty there's an estimated twenty five percent chance that he gets potentially traded uh, this off season, and basically they say that it's more likely than not that Cousins stays with the Vikings. Uh, after the season ended, there was a there was an estimation of around a sixty percent chance that Cousins gets traded. Uh, but with with their new general manager and head coach in place, uh, maybe perhaps they would want to go with somebody who has been there, you know, with uh, keep consistency basically uh, in Minnesota. But if Watson becomes available. Do not be shocked if maybe perhaps Kirk Cousins gets moved from uh, from Minnesota to bring in Deshaun Watson. Which I think would be kind of interesting considering that yeah. uh, Minnesota has one of those deep attack offenses just like Tampa Bay does. So I think either way – Either way, they could be, uh, you know, they could, we could see a potential, a potential move get made. Yes. And also another thing to keep in mind too is the Houston Texans' asking price has still been off the charts, as reportedly they turned down an yeah. offer of three first-round picks and two second-round picks from the Miami Dolphins during the middle of the season this year. As the Texans reportedly believe that they can get more for Watson once his legal issue, once his eagle issues uh, are resolved. They believe they can get more for him than three first-round picks and two second-round picks. So, when you have uh-huh. a team like Miami, when you have a team like Miami who has the the draft pick treasure trove that they have, and they get denied, who who the hell is going to give up more assets than what Miami offers? I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, right How now dumb you have you're to be. Probably you're probably looking at, uh, you know, you're probably looking at him staying a Houston Texan, assuming that his, that his uh, his legal issues get all cleared up. Uh, and we have a 38 for Jalen Green, so that is not a good Ooh. start for the Houston Rocket. He well, currently has the lowest. He has the lowest score, I think, of all four so far. Well, considering yep, the way he's score, been this year, I'm not surprised. Lowest score. It looks like right now, Obi Toppin and uh, Tosca- and uh, Toscano Anderson are the front runners to advance to the finals right now. From what it looks like, both have a score of 44. That is. The Price Houston has an all-star player at all since what they've been doing this year, which has been nothing but trash. I mean, really, I mean, they well, just suck I, all I year. So I'm surprised they have an all-star. I don't, I don't, 
I don't know if he's really an all-star. It's more it's more that he's been invited to compete in the dunk competition. I see. Uh, the Bengals, they have extended head coach Zach Taylor through the 2026 season. Uh, yes, he had yes. previously been the lowest paid coach in the league, which the Bengals rectified by adding five more years to his current deal. Uh I mean, it's a striking comeback for a coach who yes. appeared to be uh, appeared to be firmly on the hot seat after last year. They brought him back after a two and fourteen season, as well as a four eleven and one follow up season. So that's even more impressive, Lou. The Bengals go from two and fourteen to four eleven and one. And then they finish at ten and seven this year with a super uh, with a Super Bowl runner up. And yet, apparently, this is uh, this has given the Bengals reason to extend him uh, for for more years on his current deal. I mean, that is quite the climb that the Bengals have made the last three years. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's I I am I am kind of surprised that they would be this quick to sign him to an extension, considering his considering the track record. This is literally the first winning season that he's had in Cincinnati. So who knows, you know, what, for all we know, Cincinnati could go back to, uh, to below 500 like they have been for, uh, for multiple years since, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, this could very easily blow up in their faces. Oh, it will. And talking of contract extensions, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, the Raiders are prepared to discuss a contract extension that would keep Derek Carr in Las Vegas for the foreseeable future. Uh-huh. As it seems like it seems like Josh McDaniels and uh, General Manager Dave Ziegler are more committed to Carr than former head coach John Gruden uh, was ever committed. Now, Carr only has one year left on his deal. Uh, he is in line for a strong short-term deal that would keep him off the open market for years. And, I mean, they don't really have anybody else behind him, so he is by far the Raiders' best option at quarterback. And, you know, very you know slowly they are building up uh, – an offense that who knows could potentially work under McDaniels. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like maybe perhaps the Ra- uh, the Raiders are finally willing to commit to Derek Carr as he's been one of the quarterbacks over the last couple of years that have been, you know, that he, he's been under the hot seat. He's been on the hot seat in Vegas and, also in Oakland for so many years. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Lou? Is is Derek Carr the right option uh, to lead Vegas moving forward? Uh, I can't, I can't imagine you know Vegas without him. To be honest with you, I mean he is a Raider, and I think you know I think he'd be a Raider for the rest of his career. I mean he is really you know put the team you know right up on the map all over again. I I just can't see him you know being anywhere else. So yeah, I think this is the you know he's their he's their guy. Yeah, he's gonna stay there. Uh, you know, realistically, they there's can, not really any it. other options. What was that? If they can, you know, find a way to do it, they'll keep him. No question. Yeah, and actually, speaking of the Raiders, uh, it says here that uh, Josh McDaniels could emphasize the screen passing game this upcoming season. Uh, As under former head coach John Gruden, the Raiders were among one of the league's worst screen game offenses. Only 5.2% of Derek Carr's passing yardage this year came off of screen plays. McDaniels' Patriots offense, meanwhile, gained nearly 10% of its passing yards on screens, which was the 11th highest rate in the NFL. Uh, McDaniels' offense produced heady seasons for, uh, for a range of pass-catching running backs, including James White, who had caught nearly – uh, 159 passes on 218 targets between the years of 2018 and 2019. So improving the Raiders' screen game would be a fantasy boon for both Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake, depending on how the team doles out the passing down work. Uh, Jacobs had a 13% target share this season. He was fourth on the team with 62 targets. Drake, who commanded a 10% target share before uh, he suffered a season-ending ankle injury in early December, uh, could be the primary beneficiary of more backfield pass-catching opportunities. So, I mean, this is basically the same system that McDaniels put out there uh, in New England for so many years. I mean, you could potentially start to see Vegas run a more New England-style offense, which honestly, I feel yeah. would kind of benefit. I feel that would kind of benefit Carr. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just, it would also it would also open up the opportunity for him to have more of those long some some more of those long throws. Which he's uh, which he's accustomed to uh, to attempting. Mm-hmm. By the way, a uh, slam dunk up uh, update: Jalen Green in his second dunk attempt had forty five, uh, got a forty five, which is uh, up from his thirty eight previously. So he has eighty three points, uh, but probably not enough to make it into the top two. And Cole Anthony is currently up now for his second attempt. Uh, we do have some news in the lockout as uh, for Major League uh-huh. Baseball. Uh, as MLB owners reportedly found Thursday's meeting with the MLB Players Association to be unproductive as it only lasted yeah. 15 it only lasted 15 minutes, even though yeah. uh, MLB's lead negotiator and 
and the union's lead negotiator both got together for an additional 20 minutes of discussion. So basically they had only a half hour of discussions, essentially, yeah. on Thursday. And according to Evan Drellick, According to Evan Drellick of The Athletic, the, the owners are unwilling to budge at all on the issue of qualifying more players for early salary arbitration, which has become a primary focus for the MLB Players Association in recent meetings and proposals. The two sides have yet to, ha- to uh, hammer out changes to the luxury tax threshold, which could be an even bigger sticking point. Uh, if a deal isn't done within the next 10 days or so, the start of the 2022 regular season will likely have to be delayed as spring training has already been delayed for the uh, until March 5th, I think. Yes. And not for nothing, but what can you solve in 15 minutes anyway? I mean, you just went in there and you had to leave. It was like, but he was, well, screw this. I'm going home. And that's exactly what they did. You can't solve anything in 15 minutes. And you have done nothing in the last two and a half months. I mean, this this is this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. They, they they've only met like six times since the lockout. I mean, the NHL lockout had was more productive uh, than this. I mean, this is just a complete joke. It is amazing. Fifteen minutes can't solve a baseball issue, but can save you money on car insurance. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, basically like yeah. I, I had to do it. I had to do it. It's basically almost like the two sides came into that meeting, laughed at each other, and then left the yes. meeting. That's basically well, what, I, what it. Yes. Uh... Yeah. See, remember I told you, Steve. You see, you call. They see. They call it collective bargaining. I call it collective because that's exactly what they're doing. They're just bitching the whole time instead of trying to come up with a solution. They're just barking at each other and just going at each other's sides. And not coming to any resolution at all. So there you have it, the what I call the collective bitching agreement or the collective arguing disagreement. There you go. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Juan Toscano Anderson, he has scored a 43 in his second dunk, so he has 87 combined points. Uh, Cole Anthony, he failed to score a dunk, so he w- received only a 30. He has been eliminated. Uh, so now it is down to Obi Toppin. He needs just, if my math is correct here, he need yeah, he needs only, wait. So he needs, a th- ooh, he needed only a 39 to, to uh, a 39 or a 40 to advance, but I think he may have just advanced very easily with that putback dunk that he just did. A backwards put-back dunk, might I add. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, when it comes to the – when it comes to the the uh, negotiations and whatnot, I mean, it just seems comical at this point because, you know, it is. they're thinking – they're thinking about getting uh, – about getting uh, the Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, involved. Uh, with with uh, with things, but I mean, it just it just seems unrealistic that ooh, that is yeah. a forty six for Toppin on his second attempt. So, so it is Toppin, 
It is Toppin against Toscano Anderson in the finals for the slam dunk competition. Um, But, yeah, you know, it just – the whole – Every time, every time I hear that there's going to be a new meeting uh, of for negotiations with the players and the and the league, I'm fully expecting it to be over within that half hour because if that, there's literally not like there's barely any budging from either side, and I would not be you know I'm still I'm still saying it now I would be I would not be shocked at all if we do not have a season period. I wouldn't go that far. I mean You wouldn't? Pretty much no. No, cuz I don't think, you know, baseball and the commissioner even though he is an idiot, uh would be that stupid to cancel a whole season. I mean, that's the last thing baseball would want. Considering what happened in 2020 when they lost like two-thirds of the season already, I don't think um, you know, that the commissioner is that dumb to a season to a whole season collapse like that, even though he is, you know, basically an asshole. I mean, he's almost as bad as Gary Bettman. In fact, maybe even worse. Then again, Gary Bettman's the well, right. That's another story right there. Well, right now, though, they feel, like, they feel like the players are making unrealistic demands, which honestly, looking at it from a fan perspective really? – Looking at it from a fan perspective, the the players' demands aren't really that bad. No, I mean so, I mean so you're asking, you know, you're asking for for, uh, you know, early salary arbitration for for certain players. You know, you're asking for early salary arbitration for players that officially make it into uh, the major leagues. They're asking for it to be moved up just a little bit, you know, for by like yeah. two years, I think it is. Yes, that's why I heard two years. So, I mean, that's not that much of an unrealistic asking. Uh, no, uh, asking price. And I mean the luxury tax. I mean, yeah, that would benefit both sides. Well, actually, that would benefit both the players and the uh, and the owners themselves. You know, if they want, if if teams want, if if owners want to be able to have their teams potentially, uh, you know, pot- potentially compete for for a World Series, you know, uh, heightening the luxury tax threshold would only help. But I guess apparently, you know, it's it, it just seems like the lockout seems to have been going on for so long now. Yeah. That Two months, you, would think, you, would think, you would think that by now there would be some sort of progress being made. And... Right now, it looks like there's absolutely nothing that's been done. No, no, it's, it's it's really it's really a shame though too that you know you had two years to work this out and whatnot, and you let it drag on and on, and now it's come to this, and baseball is going to be in a lot of trouble if they don't get this resolved resolved soon. I don't see looking at this now as the beginning of the year starting. Forget the March 31st date; uh, that's almost impossible, but. 
I don't think that Manford, as dumb as he is, would be would be that dumb to let a whole season go right down the tubes. Well, he has been that type of person that would stick to his beliefs and stick to his guns. He has beliefs. So, you know, I. I kind of feel the opposite, Lou. I kind of feel like if 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 they were if if the potential to lose the season would be on the table, I think because the one thing he wants to do is he wants to gain the trust of he wants to have the trust of his owners. So uh-huh. the way to do that would be able to take would be to take things all the way down to the to the end even if it means losing an entire season. Oh, boy. If that happens, baseball is going to have a real hard time winning back fans. I mean, look how many they lost back yeah. in 94 and uh, 2020 and 2021. I mean, baseball didn't really have much of a, you know, a great success story uh, last season. If this were to last a full season, baseball uh, would be in a coma. Yeah, I still feel – honestly, I feel like baseball is on life support at this point. I mean, they, like they I do said, have – you know, you, you know I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that considering the numbers that the World Series put up this year. But, I mean, it's – ooh, that is – you know what? I think Obi Toppin might be in a good spot. That is a very low number, a 39 for Toscano Anderson in the finals. Good. Now maybe I bring in the Toppin, second half of the season. I think Toppin may have won this slam dunk competition. Oh, good. Something good for the Knicks finally. And you know it's oh oh okay they they get two dunks in the final round. All right, so this isn't over oh, yeah, technically yeah. yet. Um. You know, uh, and it, it goes even further here. Apparently, the MLB Players Association has filed unfair labor practice charges against Major yeah. League Baseball to the national to the National Labor Relations Board, mm-hmm. as they are they are accusing Major League Baseball of refusal to bargain and bad faith bargaining, along with unilateral charges or, I mean, unilateral changes to the contract. Came th- th- This news came shortly after they, uh, after they had only met for 15 minutes in a meeting that was described as unproductive by Major League Baseball. Well, not for nothing, but how productive you'd be in only 15 minutes. So you kind of have to wonder if these charges will change the negotiations at all. Uh, no, I mean, they, you know, and they were even trying to get a mediator uh, to uh, butt in, but the players union said, uh, "Hell no!" So screw that idea. Well, yeah, obviously that's uh, not going to happen. I said, mediator, no, not meteor. Although meteor will work probably. There's no shot in hell that they would get that they would be able to get a mediator to uh, yeah. to work things out because. The mediator would obviously side with the uh, with the owners, which is something that the, the players owners. do not want. Right. Well, we have we have a forty-five for Toppin's uh, first attempt. 
So all right, it'll be one good. Top Toppin does have a sizable lead right now on uh, as long as he doesn't screw up the uh, the second dunk. He has about a six point lead on Toscano Anderson right now. Well, the Knicks will be screwing anything else this year, so why not? So that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do in this final round because none of the dunkers tonight have really put out anything. Oh, okay. Anderson is wearing a Richardson jersey from the old Golden State Warriors. A Jason Richardson jersey. What is Okay, he's attempting a back. Uh, mm-hmm. He's attempting. He's attempting a dunk behind the backboard. See. Trying to grab the ball with his left, or trying to grab the ball with his right hand and then dunk it. Yes. But yeah, you know, with these, with these labor charges against the league or against the league, you know, they mm-hmm. they've already been stone faced right now when it comes to negotiations. Oh well, yeah. I don't know I don't know if I would I don't know if I would look at this as potentially as potential developments being made. I don't see it either. And, I don't see there's any no development at all to be honest. Because the league isn't really going to budge, if anything. Because, I mean, the owners, you know, the owners can hold on to their money as mu- as long as they want. You know, I mean, it's yeah obviously major league, you know, uh, owning a major league baseball team, this isn't the, this isn't the only thing that the owners have when it comes to income. So, no, I mean, a lot of owners probably own other you know, other teams and other sporting leagues, like Stan Kroenke, for example, you know, he owns the Colorado Rockies, but he also owns other uh, other teams as well. So, if anything, it's a, min- it's a minor inconvenience if they don't have an MLB season. And a major inconvenience for the fans. Yeah. If anything, it's the inconvenience for the fans. And it looks like, by the way, this is uh, a win for Obi Toppin as Toscano Anderson was unable to get a dunk done uh, in this second round. So he's going to get probably a 30 for this for his attempts. So, yep, he's, but like, getting, um, uh, he's got a 30. But they said that, you know, the owners and the players are going to meet um, all next week. Um, you know, let's see about that. Yeah. But what the total managers got them out to, like 30 minutes each session, you're not going to get anything done that way. I mean, they're not they're not really, even, you know, concentrating on it. They're just doing bits and pieces there and not really solving any major issues. I mean, the luxury tax has always been a problem. You know, that's been, that's been a major uh, sticking point, you know, in negotiations and <laughs> – that's not that's not budging. So I think with that, uh, they're really going to be in a, a shit's creek, uh, you know. Yeah. For a while. It's, yeah, that's, that's all. That's you all, know, it's it, it, sticking point in negotiations. 
it's bad enough that the, it's bad enough that they're having problems right now with arbitration. Just wait until they uh-huh. finally get to talking about the about the luxury tax. When they get to talking about the luxury tax, if you if you think it's bad enough right now that they're having problems with uh, with arbitration, just wait until the luxury tax. Oh yeah, that's gonna be murder. It's yeah, it's not. It's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. I I have a feeling that this is gonna go pretty long. We have a 47 for Obi Toppin, and he has officially won the slam dunk competition for the New York Knicks. Yeah, now let's see if you can do anything better in the second half of the season, buddy. Well, maybe if he gets used more in, uh, that could work. You know, in Coach and Th- Coach Thibodeau's defensive system, he has to be Shut used the hell. more. I mean, you you were the savior of our team last year, and the coaching was. So what the hell happened? I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, it's. I really don't know how to how to explain how they've fallen, as far as they have this year. Maybe. I I kind of wonder is it maybe perhaps the fact that they had you know they had a new head coach last year and maybe they kind of overachieved perhaps uh, overachieving it's yeah that can happen a lot so. I don't know, you know, it's uh, obviously teams make adjustments every year. And yes. I just I, I don't know. I, I don't know why uh they have taken the step back like they have this year because they didn't really lose anybody. They gained Evan maybe the addition right. of Evan Fournier completely changed their whole system and not better. He has to get his touches, obviously. So that's completely screwed up how they how they hand you know how they uh, distribute the ball and whatnot. So I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, the Knicks, you know, they're not that far out. Ooh, actually, no, they're about three and a half games out of the uh, out of the play-in tournament. So, doable, uh, doable. It's doable, but I mean, you would have to bank on Char- on either Charlotte or Atlanta going on a huge losing streak, and the Knicks being able to capitalize on those losses. I could see more of Charlotte losing. I could see more of Charlotte losing, yes, as opposed to Atlanta, but Yeah, Atlanta's got Trey Young. As long as they got Trey Young, they're gonna be fine. I mean, I just don't know I I just don't know with uh I mean Washington, you know, they've fallen out of it. They're I mean, they're only one game out of it, but with the loss of Bradley Beal and they traded away Spencer Dinwiddie I mean, yeah, they did get Porzingis back, but there's not really 
there's not really much to look forward to with Washington. So I'd be I'd be shocked if Washington, uh, if you're looking at them being in the play-in tournament potentially, I would I would give more uh, more of a shot with the Knicks perhaps to maybe somehow sneak in, but. Then again, you would need a collapse from either Charlotte or Atlanta, and I would see Charlotte more than Atlanta doing it. But mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah, that's a question that's kind of tough to answer. It's I I, I just. I'm not really uh I don't see Atlanta losing with the uh with with the amount of talent they have and Charlotte maybe the only thing I can see with Charlotte is maybe perhaps if something happens to LaMelo Ball again or if uh if Gordon Hayward ends up having to to miss significant time I just don't know but uh, we yeah. did have one other. We did have one other event take place tonight: the Taco Bell Skills Challenge that had uh, oh, the yeah. Antenna Kumpo. They had the Ate- brothers, <laughs> uh, Giannis, Alex, Giannis, Alex, and Thanasis team up to take on the Cavaliers, which were uh, Jarrett Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley. Uh, which is funny considering that Cleveland does host the uh, slam dunk or not slam dunk. They host the all-star game this year. Uh, And also you had the team, uh, the team comprised of rookies, which was Scotty Barnes from the Toronto Raptors, uh, Cade Cunningham from the Detroit Pistons and Josh Giddy from the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, The Cavaliers, they ended up winning in sudden death after, uh, Basically, how they changed it is they made it to where um, the final round is shooting from the from half court. Basically, right. whoever uh, whoever is the first team to shoot from half from half court, uh, the rookies they got they got one to fall in nine point nine seconds. So the Cavaliers. They had nine point. They had to get one in fewer than nine point nine seconds in order to win sudden death, which uh, Evan Mobley ended up getting it on the second shot that the team took in just four seconds. So uh, the Cavaliers they won the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. Uh, as far as the three point contest, the three point contest went to. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, and obviously Obi Toppin won the slam dunk contest for this season, uh, for this season's All-Star game. Now, as far as the All-Star game itself, looking at looking at the uh, at the two rosters. By the way, I thought it was hilarious that uh, yeah. Kevin Durant Kevin Durant tried to tried to uh pick anybody except James Harden after the James Harden trade went down. Uh-huh. Uh but 
for for Team Durant, uh, Durant obviously is not playing because he's injured. So uh, in his place, you have Jason Tatum uh, in the starting lineup from the Boston Celtics. Uh, you also have Joel Embiid from the 76ers. You got Ja Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies, who was the rookie of the year last year, and he mm-hmm. is making his first all-star appearance. Uh, Andrew Wiggins from Golden State, and you have Trey Young from uh, the Atlanta Hawks starting at point guard. Uh, for their reserves, you got LaMelo Ball from the Charlotte Hornets, who is officially replacing Kevin Durant on the roster. Uh, you have Devin Booker from the Suns, Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz, Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls, Chris Middleton from the Milwaukee Bucks, DeJuante Murray from the San Antonio Spurs, who is replacing an injured Draymond Green. You got Carl Anthony Towns from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and you have Draymond Green, who who is injured and thus will not play. Uh, as far as the coach, as far as the coach for Team Durant, you have the uh, you have Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat staff, who will be coaching Team Durant. Uh, for Team LeBron, you have obviously LeBron James. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo, you have Stephen Curry, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Jokic. I mean, that is a devastating starting five if, I, if I've if i ever seen one. Um, uh, yeah. Or technically it's six, whatever, six, five. Uh, for their reserves, you have Jarrett Allen, you got Jimmy Butler, uh, let's see, you have Luka Doncic, Darius Garland, James Harden, he won't play because he's injured. Uh, you got Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Fred Van Vliet. And their coach will be Monty Williams and his Phoenix Suns coaching staff uh, yes. that will coach Team LeBron. I mean, honestly, Lou, just looking at it on paper, granted the – you know, the all-star game isn't really something to take seriously considering the fact that there's no defense being played, but they have seemingly with the new, the new format that they go with, it seemingly was taken seriously last year. And I got to tell you, just looking on paper, team LeBron looks absolutely stacked with this lineup. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, with Durant, yeah, you got John. You know, you got John Morant, who's a uh, a very a very good shooting guard. Although he does play point actually for for Memphis. Uh, you got Trey Young, who obviously is very deserving. Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum. The real weak point I feel on their on their starting five is Andrew Wiggins which I'm no, kind of surprised he's even starting. He's starting over a player like Zach Levine or Carl Anthony Town. Well, actually, wait a minute. No, where does Wiggins play? Wiggins. No, he would be a power forward. So I'm surprised he's play. He's starting over Carl Anthony Towns. 
in this game. He's starting over a player like Luka Doncic or Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's I, – I, I don't know what they were thinking when it came to, to announcing the starters, but really the only one on Kevin Durant's team that I don't see why, he's li- he, why he was listed as a starter is Andrew Wiggins. Because he just doesn't have he doesn't have the stats to match up with the no. other with the other candidates. Uh, let's see. Oh, going back to Major League Baseball, I can't believe I forgot this. Uh, Eric mm-hmm. Kay, who was the former Angels communications director. Oh, yeah was found guilty on Thursday for distributing fentanyl and causing the death of former Atlanta or former uh, angels pitcher, Tyler Skaggs. The jury only deliberated for a couple of hours before they reached a verdict, which stems from Skaggs' overdose death in a suburban Dallas hotel room back in 2019. His sentencing has been set for June 28th. He faces a minimum of 20 years and a $1 million fine for providing the fentanyl that Skaggs ingested on the night that he died. Uh, Throughout the course of the trial in Fort Worth, Texas, it was also proven that Kay supplied opioids to other major leaguers, including Matt Harvey, Cam Bedrosian, and C.J. Cron. I mean, it's a tragic story all around, but at least it looks like now there may be a little bit of closure for the Skaggs family that finally well, it's about time that finally uh you know the person responsible for this is finally being put behind bars yeah i mean we've been we've been going to this case now what uh for quite a while now and i think you know the family does deserve you know the closure now Time. I mean, this has been dragged up, dragged up for so long. The last two or three years, or whatever. You know, it's time. I mean, let this family, you know, be able to, you know, have the have their peace of mind back. And all this. Yeah. Remember what happened with that incident when when the news broke out? Yeah, it was. It was definitely. you know, it was one of the bit one of the biggest stories to come out in Major League yeah. Baseball, and you know, j- just from just from reading the details about it, it was. I mean, it, there was clear clear foul play that it seemed that it, that it seemed like the fact that. You know, he was, I believe he was one of the last people to be contacted, to to come in contact with him, supposedly. I mean, that right there, you know, should tell you all you need to know. No, I don't know what's supposed to be uh, known. Yeah. But, you know, it's still, it still is devastating, the fact that they had to, you know they had they had to wait for this long to finally get charges brought against this guy. 
hey, at least he, he's going to be going behind bars for a long, a very long time. One would hope. Uh, well, yeah, one would hope. Uh, according to Enrique Rojas of ESPN Deportes, Juan Soto reportedly turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract extension offer from the Nationals prior to the lockout. And Soto did officially confirm this report. Uh, he said, yes, they made me, an, they made me the offer a couple, a couple of months ago before the strike we have in baseball. But right now, me and my agents think the best option is to go year after year and wait for free agency. My agent, Scott mm-hmm. Boris, is in control of that situation. Now, the extension would have carried an average annual salary of nearly $27 million, and it contained no deferred money. He is arbitration eligible for the second time in 2022, and he is currently slated to reach the free agent market at the conclusion of the 2024 season. And through his first 464 career major league games, he has published an average of 301 with 98 homers and 312 RBIs. I think that perhaps this lockout may potentially screw over the Nationals with this, because now the fact that they're willing to ju- they're willing to just take it year by year with uh, when it comes to Juan Soto, it's yeah. not looking good for some for for uh, you know somebody who's supposed to be the franchise player for their club. And, you know, he, he it kind of tells me that maybe perhaps he may bolt it once he gets to, you know, once he gets to free agency. Right. Uh, some other bits of news. Uh, Tommy Conley has been progressing nicely in his recovery from Tommy John surgery. Uh, Conley inked a two-year, four-and-three-quarter-million deal with the Dodgers back in December of 2020, and he missed the entire season this past season while recovering from Tommy John surgery. Uh, By all accounts, he has had a normal and healthy offseason and has been throwing bullpens during the winter. Uh, He will be more than 19 months recovered from, uh, from surgery by opening day, provided that the season starts on time and is likely to quickly work himself into a high-leverage role in the Dodgers' bullpen. Uh, says, though, keep in mind, uh, he does own a 348 ERA, uh, as well as a 242 to 73 strikeout-to-walk ratio across 175 and two-thirds innings since the start of the 2016 season. Uh, it also says here that, uh, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, he believes that Austin Meadows could be a possible trade chip for the Rays after the lockout ends, as he indicated that both Meadows and Kevin Kiermeyer are the most likely to go in a trade 
that Manuel Margot could be a possibility as well for the Tampa Bay Rays to to ship out. Uh, Meadows is entering his arbitration uh, eligibility and is under team control through the 2024 season. Uh, he hit 234 this year with 27 homers and a career high 106 RBIs in 142 games for the Rays this year. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, the Rangers, according to Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, they have already begun investigating a potential trade for Matt Olson. Uh, it says that Nathaniel Lowe did have a solid first season with the Rangers and is under team control for several more years, but Olsen would be a clear upgrade and give the lineup another jolt following the offseason additions of Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. And it says that Olsen is a good bet to be traded post-lockout with the Yankees and Braves also representing potential picks. So that is something to keep an eye on uh, for Yankee fans and Brave fans. And, you know, with the Braves being interested in Matt Olson, that kind of makes you wonder if they may even, if they may just let Freddie Freeman go in free agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that, Lou. That would be a, why, would be a loss why for the Braves, Freddie, though, I think. It would. It, oh, it definitely would. Yeah. Because... Freddie Freeman is supposed to be their franchise player. Why the hell do you not have him signed yet? Why did you let him go into the lockout without a contract? That's not a smart move. I mean, you're probably looking at... He he was probably one one of their best players for so many years. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. I don't know. I don't understand why they would they would just no, let no. they would let him move on without without getting any any sort of compensation for him. But apparently that's what they're doing. Not being very smart, just you ask me. No. No, it's not being smart at all. That's for sure. Uh, In the NBA, Norman Powell has reportedly been diagnosed with a broken bone in his left foot, according to the Los Angeles Clippers that they announced last Sunday. It's a huge deal for the Clippers as he was just one of their, one of their major acquisitions Mm -hmm. that they made ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, the team did state, though, that his treatment is non-surgical at the present time, but he is left without a timeline for a return. So uh, it sounds like you can consider him to be out indefinitely until the Clippers announce otherwise. So that's quite a big loss for the Clippers who are, who are just looking to hang in there in the Western Conference yeah. to begin with. Uh, in the NHL, 
the Calgary Flames, they have acquired Tyler Toffoli from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for two draft picks, uh, which will be their first-round pick this year, which is top 10 protected, as well as the 2023 fifth-round pick. Uh, They will also send over Tyler Pitlick as well as prospect Emil Heineman for Tyler Toffoli. Toffoli is a great addition for the Flames as he should provide the team with some valuable secondary scoring. Uh, Prior to the trade, he had nine goals and 26 points in 37 games on a struggling Montreal squad this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the Canadians, with the Canadians last year, he had 28 goals and 44 points over 52 games. Mm -hmm. So neat. Needless to say, it looks like Montreal is probably headed for a sell or for uh, to be sellers big time at the uh, trade deadline this year, which is coming up, I believe. I'm pretty sure. March twenty first. Okay, yeah. So they got about another month for uh, for decisions to be made. But speaking yeah, of late you know, this year, is it or is it usually that that time uh, that time of year when it happens? I always thought it was earlier. I always thought it was earlier too, but I don't know. Maybe. What the hell was I? Thinking? Maybe it was renegotiated. Let me let me look and see when the uh, date usually is. Let's see what it was last year. Last year, no, last year it was. Wait. Last year it was uh, it was the twenty first of March. Hang on, no, hang on. Let me see. Yeah, twenty first of March. Uh, in twenty twenty, it was February twenty fourth. But I think that partially had to do with COVID and whatnot that they moved things up. Right. Let me see. Uh, twenty nineteen, it was the twenty fifth of February. No. You know what? The trade deadline is normally at the end of February, so yeah. Huh? I kind of wonder why it's moved up this year, or why it's moved. Well, back maybe this year. with the fact that so many games were um, uh, postponed or whatnot, I guess maybe they decided to move it back. I mean, that's the thing I can think of. You know, it all would happen. Maybe. I mean, because they they uh, they postponed a hundred games this year and whatnot, so. I would think the only thing they would do is uh, to push back the trade deadline. Huh. It could be. I mean, last year, I believe it was mainly because of COVID, because the year, uh, yes. you know, the, yes. everything got shut down. Uh, the trade deadline last year was April 12th. And this year, it's March right. 21st. Huh. You know, I think maybe that might have to do that might be because of uh you know, COVID basically shifted everything around. So they're Yes, yes. I don't know. I don't know what their I don't know what what they're uh, what they're doing here. You know, I really do think that COVID had a lasting effect now that where you know, different leagues are now being forced to, because of the potential of, of canceled games or postponed games, that 
they may have to potentially account for you know certain for certain dates to uh to get moved back yeah so that's the thing I can, now that's the thing I can think about yeah. Now we do we do have some news actually about uh AEW, the upstart wrestling promotion that is on TNT. Uh they lost a pretty big uh a pretty big face this this past week as Cody Rhodes, the 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 son of uh of wrestling legend Dusty Rhodes. Dusty he officially separated from AEW after uh, after starting up the company in 2019, and supposedly he left AEW because his contract obviously was expiring, and they couldn't come to an agreement because apparently the owner and uh, the the son of uh, Jaguar's owner. Uh, Shad Shad Khan, uh, the owner of AEW, Tony Khan, apparently felt that Rhodes was not worth the money that he was asking. When yet Rhodes was very easily at the very beginning of AEW one of the mo- one of the more recognizable faces that they had, and now there's rumors that he may be going back to the WWE, which ultimately is yeah. how he got into wrestling in the first place. Uh, having right. spent 10 years, having spent 10 years with the WWE before he went onto the independent scene, went to ring of honor, impact wrestling, new Japan, and then eventually formed AEW with, uh, with the young bucks, uh, Kenny Omega and Tony Khan. And apparently there was a, there was a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of stuff uh, that happened. Um, apparently he began to separate himself from the other vice presidents. That's right. He was a vice president of AEW during his time there. Uh, they also got rid of his wife too, who was the chief branding officer. For AEW, um, yeah, they got rid- they got rid of his wife as well. Who uh, okay, his, her happen. contract her contract I guess was expiring as well. Um, ah. You know, it's weird because Cody had gotten AEW a lot of uh, exposure as he was part of the that talent show called the Go Big Show. Uh, that's on TBS. Oh where yeah, yeah. He's been a, where he's been a ju- he's been a judge uh, during his time on that. Uh, you know, he's gotten himself. He's gotten AEW a whole bunch of exposure. He's been the guy who's been out there doing the media and everything for AEW from their early years up until his departure, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's led people to kind of believe that maybe perhaps, apparently, you know, the biggest, 
the biggest thing that, that meant so much to him was the fact that he would be able to take the reins from his father. Uh, his father was the, was the booker, the, uh, the match booker for WCW after his father had, had, had retired from entering activity. He became the, uh, the lead booker for WCW before WCW got bought out by the WWE. And then he eventually did work with the WWE and all this stuff. Cody Rhodes wanted to pay homage to his father and be able to, you know, to book shows, book talent and whatnot. And AEW in recent, in, uh, within the past year has slowly taken that away from him, which that has partially led into the, into partly the reason why he left. Um, and now with him heading to the WWE, you know, you talk about a war that is going on between two wrestling companies. Uh, and now WWE basically picks up one of AEW's star talents. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like he is going to be one of the, one of the bright stars moving forward for the WWE once he does officially make his return. You know, it it kind of makes you wonder, Lou, could this uh, – I mean, uh, the one thing that AEW has always said that they would do is they would not do what WCW did, which was overpay for talent. Like when uh-huh. they gave – like when they gave stars like Hulk Hogan, uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, those big deals – uh, you know, even Ric Flair, when they gave, when they gave uh, so many stars these guaranteed deals, which ultimately buried the company. But in the long term, it buried the company. But yet you have a guy like Cody Rhodes who basically built the company from the ground up. And you're going to treat one of your founders this way? I mean, to me, that right there is just bad business practice. I mean, I get, wanting to, I get wanting to save money, but it's bad business practice yeah. when, uh, when when you're get when you're ostracizing basically one of your one of your founders of your company. I mean, what are your thoughts, Lou? That you know, AEW is basically letting Cody Rhodes go back to the company that, you know, that brought him into wrestling. Yeah. Mm. Well, I haven't really uh, followed much wrestling, but it, it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound something that's, you know, uh, very, done very logical. And, you know, it says, you know, like you said, um, the way of like uh, one of the uh, other rival uh, wrestling leagues and going back to that, uh, that doesn't that doesn't seem uh, like a very a very smart move right there. Oh, and uh, speaking of wrestling, uh, Undertaker goes in the Hall of Fame. Yes, yes, exactly. He has been uh, he has officially been announced as the first inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame this year, which ultimately puts a bow quite frankly on his wrestling career you know a lot of people sure. were thinking okay he retired at the uh he, he retired 
in 2020 at Survivor Series, which was 30 years yeah. to the day that he made his first on-screen appearance uh, for the company. Home. You know, a lot of people felt that, okay, he, he officially retired in 2020, but he's one of those guys that if Vince asks him to do something, he'll come back and do it. So maybe perhaps he wouldn't officially be retired. But well, with him 30 years later, I don't know. With him getting officially announced for the Hall of Fame, and it makes sense because it's in Dallas, Texas this year, so it kind of makes sense for him to be inducted uh, as the uh, as the focal point. He's going to be the uh, the headliner, basically. That'll be inducted. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of have to think that his wrestling <laughs> career is definitely over. Like, there's he will not wrestle another single match whatsoever in his uh, for the rest of his life, basically. Well, let's see. After being in the ring for thirty years and his age, uh, I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, maybe he'll come back and make a couple of appearances, but as far as actually wrestling a match, you know, no. that's at the age of fifty-six. His career is pretty much done. Uh, hell yeah. And I mean, he's well. He's definitely well deserving of the Hall of Fame. I mean, you take a look oh, at. Of course. This is this is a guy who could have left for WCW during his during his time with uh, the WWF. He could have left. He could have left uh, in W uh, for WCW and chose not to. He chose to stick. Uh, to stick by Vince McMahon and the WWF throughout all of his career. Uh, You know, he also appeared in certain forms of media during his career. I mean, uh, he was in the Suburban Commando movie that starred Hulk Hogan at the time when Hogan was still in the WWF. Uh, He appeared on Celebrity Deathmatch, as well in uh, oh, yeah. on MTV, which at the t- at the time it was a very popular show for MTV. Um, yeah, kind of a joke, but as the under as the Undertaker, I mean, he even was on America's Most Wanted as the Undertaker. So, you know, there's there's so many. Uh, basically, the character transcended the. You know, sports entertainment. It transcended wrestling to where he would even show. He would even show up on shows like, uh, for example, he was he appeared on Jimmy Fallon to uh, to advertise for for one of the uh, one of the pay per views or whatever that that the WWF was going to have, and he ended up uh, he ended up tombstoning Jimmy Fallon. Uh, on this on on Jimmy Fallon's set, one of the one of the times. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was a, this was a guy who basically his his gimmick transcended uh, the art of professional wrestling. So, you know, it's it's almost a given 
that he would be, you know, that he would be a hall uh, in the Hall of Fame. It was only a que- uh, only a question of when he would officially. You know when he would officially uh, be inducted. Like I said, I must be getting old to remember that far back with the Undertaker. You know, because that was like like you know my generation with with all that. So, and I don't think at fifty six well, Und- would be a smart move to go back into the ring. Well, the Undertaker. You know, I remember the Undertaker was the the very first pay per view that I watched, which was. Right. Granted, I was I was I was young I was young when I wa- when I watched it. It was uh, my cousins so was showed I. me uh, showed me a recording of it that they uh, that they had done oh. um, back when they recorded it on VCR after they got uh, after they got they ordered the pay per view and everything and you know Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan was my was my favorite wrestler. Growing up, and then yeah. seeing what happened to Hulk Hogan to the uh, by the Undertaker at the uh, at the Survivor Series in nineteen, I think it was nineteen ninety one. I think it was nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one. No, 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 it was ninety one. I remember now because ninety was when he debuted okay. at the Survivor Series. Okay, so nineteen ninety one. It was nineteen ninety one, and. Um, because I rem- I remember he tombstoned Hogan on the uh, steel chair that was brought out by Ric Flair, and then Hogan won it won the title back a couple of days later at Tuesday in Texas. Uh, but you know the the first thing I remember about the about seeing the character, you know, he looked like he didn't even look human; like he looked like he was dead. Like they call him a dead man, and the character all te- really looked like a zombie, even though he was technically considered to be a mortician. Hmm. But speaking of Hall of Fame, uh, there is one wrestler who has been contacted by the WWE to try and make a return, and that is... Stone Cold Steve Austin, who has been out of, who has been out of action for years, but because, uh, I mean, granted he's 57 years old, but he believe he he's he's said this multiple times that he believes because of the recovery that he's had since he's since he retired back in 2003 that he feels that his neck has has recovered enough to where he could he could do at least one final match and that's what they're trying to do uh especially with WrestleMania being in Texas this year uh they want to it, it also kind of it also kind of tells you how badly the WWE is struggling to sell tickets for WrestleMania this year uh, the fact that they have to bring in uh, a legend like Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, to try and to try and sell tickets, but that's apparently what they're planning on doing. And yeah, 
I mean, 57 years old, you know, that's, that's all you want to, you want to talk about being too old to wrestle. I mean, he's got three years on the Undertaker, surprisingly. But yeah, that's, and obviously, you know, Undertaker's going to be in Dallas, Texas this year for, for the hall of fame and for WrestleMania. So one would assume that he would, he would get involved in some capacity, possibly maybe choke slamming somebody who knows. Um, yeah, he will likely be there um, in character more than likely. I mean, usually what they do for the, for the uh, hall of fame is they usually, after they, after they have all of the, you know, speeches and everything, they have them appear one more time uh, the next night at WrestleMania where they recognize them in front of all the fans and whatnot. Uh, sometimes, though, uh, depending on on if they can still do stuff, they may have them do something like Stone Cold maybe will come out and do a stunner or something or – you know, they could have something where 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 the Undertaker does a choke, performs a choke slam on somebody. You know, it's still possible that they could uh, they could do something with him. And actually, for WrestleMania this year, it looks like uh, we will be seeing a unification match of both the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship as they've deemed it as winner-take-all between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. So, clearly, they're trying to make this event as big as possible, with the rumor being floated around that they're going to try and tease a matchup between The Rock and his cousin, Roman Reigns, for the title next year at WrestleMania. So, that's something that's being floated around. Well, yeah, that's uh, you know, it's it's funny that that uh, that you mentioned that, Lou, because they Roman Reigns' character so far uh, since he turned heel again has been all about being the head of the table, you know, being the man of the family, basically, uh, the one who who makes the money for the family, and yet there's one person that everybody is obviously forgetting. It's the rock that made the this rock. family that made this family, uh, what they are. So the plan obviously is to have the rock come back, challenge Roman reigns for the title, which I mean, he'll probably lose, but who knows? Uh, you know, the WWE is planning, obviously, this year's WrestleMania is going to be big, but they're planning on next year's WrestleMania to be even bigger, supposedly. So, um, and actually, uh, speaking of The Undertaker, The Undertaker supposedly had plans to, ma- they had plans to have him make a cameo appearance at the pay-per-view today in Saudi Arabia. Uh, for Elimination Chamber, but they were dropped, and he ultimately did not travel to Saudi Arabia for the event. So, um, 
I mean, it's clear WWE apparently still has plans to use legends, even though they're not wrestling anymore, basically. Right. But, uh, you know, and going back to the Cody Rhodes thing here for a minute, this, I mean, the the thing with Cody Rhodes is he doesn't have a non-compete clause in his contract. So, technically, I mean, hell, he could have appeared for the company as early as today at their uh, their pay-per-view. He could appear Monday night on Monday Night Raw if WWE is able to come to an agreement with him. So there's, you know, there's no non-compete clause to where he couldn't immediately appear anywhere. And that's, that's where I feel this could backfire on AEW because there's more of a marketing opportunity for Cody Rhodes in WWE as opposed to AEW because WWE is a global company. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, if they start pushing him as a front, uh, as a, uh, you know, a top tier star in WWE, I mean, that's a lot of money that AEW is going to potentially be losing out on. Because he, because if he's pushed correctly as a top star in WWE, he will make the WWE a lot of money. And you know, it also it also helps him too that he will be able to uh, potentially, because he owns like he owns his theme song and he owns a lot of stuff involving the Cody Rhodes name and gimmick and whatnot. He may actually yeah. be able to use that stuff on WWE media. So that will only help that will only help out the company itself. Uh. By the way, an update, uh, uh, this is obviously a tie-in to our Celebrity Big Brother uh, recap podcast that will have its finale officially this upcoming Thursday uh, for the Celebrity Big Brother recap show. Uh, Lamar Odom has officially made the final five in Celebrity Big Brother, as well as Misha Tate, a former UFC champion, uh, in the bantamweight division, they are both still in it. Um, as far as sports go, um, and also one note before I forget to announce it. Uh, obviously, Jim mentioned it on uh, on Thursday night, but I'll mention it again. Uh, we will have for Survivor a cast assessment podcast, which will be the Thursday before. Uh, we start up the Survivor podcast. So uh, there will be more information on that once we officially post all of the uh, – once once we post the uh, – what's it called? The advertisements. Um, let's see. Some other bits of news here. We have about – about 12, 12 minutes left or so. Um, yeah. The NFL has reportedly hired former U.S. attorney Mary Jo White 
to conduct the investigation of the allegations against Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders. Uh, Mary Jo White previously conducted the NFL's investigation uh, in the allegations against Panthers owner Jerry Richardson. Uh, The NFL has announced that they will make the findings of her investigation public following its conclusion, which Washington had previously sought to engage an outside group to conduct the investigation. But now the NFL is directly involved after input from the House Oversight Committee. Uh, The commanders will now no longer be able to pursue their own investigation and will be fully cooperating with the NFL's investigation. So the findings of this investigation could ultimately lead to sanctions against Daniel Snyder and the commanders, potentially mean that Daniel Snyder will have to sell the commander's organization. Mm. So that is, I mean, it's the fact that the NFL, you know, another thing too is this also means that Daniel Snyder will no longer have power over what gets, what gets released and what doesn't get released. In in regards to the, you know, the, uh, the findings, because that's partially why no information has come out whatsoever about the uh, initial investigation that was done. The only thing that came out, obviously, was the uh, the John Gruden emails. But other than that, that's it. So now, you know, you're potentially looking at uh, some pretty damning information if certain things if certain things come out here. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Could we potentially could this potentially mark the end of uh you know, of Daniel Snyder as a uh, as an owner in the NFL? Yeah, I think we can put the nail in the coffin here. I've been going down the hill for quite a while. I think this is uh this is the last hurrah. You know, it does seem it does seem like the uh any outs that he may have had here are pretty much exhausted at this point now. So I it's it's not looking good. I'll just put it that way. No. Uh Adrian Peterson Adrian Peterson was arrested earlier last week for domestic violence after an incident aboard a a departing flight at Los Angeles' LAX uh, last Sunday morning. Uh, Peterson's rep has claimed that the incident was was a verbal argument between Peterson and his wife, although Peterson was removed from the plane and charged with a felony. Uh, Peterson's wife reportedly remained on the flight as scheduled after Peterson was was removed and booked. Uh, This is not Peterson's first off-the-field issue after he was charged with child abuse back in 2014, the whole switch incident, as, uh, as they like to call it. 
Um, let's see. Actually, you know, I I already I already mentioned this about Daniel Snyder and the Commanders, but uh, for the first, yeah. according to Mike Florio, it does say here for the first time ever there is a sense among ownership that the time may have come. Uh, for them to force Daniel Snyder to sell the commanders, which obviously would come through a vote. Uh, let's see. The, according to the athletics, Catherine Terrell, uh, she claims that a lot of signs have shown that the Saints don't have any intention of trading star wide receiver Michael Thomas this offseason. Uh, new head coach Dennis Allen supported words for Thomas uh, and the mercurial, the mercurial wideouts positive interactions with a teammate he fought in practice mm-hmm. uh, point to him returning to New Orleans for the 2022 season. Uh, he has missed most of the past two seasons with a lingering ankle issue after a monster 2019 campaign in which he led the NFL in receptions and receiving yards. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported last week that Thomas is expected to be back with the team. Uh, the Saints would save a mere $2 million uh, against the cap if they deal Thomas before June 1st. Uh, but obviously, his impact on the team will all depend on who they have starting at quarterback next year to begin with. Um, let's see. I mentioned that they, uh, that the Rams will be discussing a contract extension with Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's a $23 million cap hit next year. Oh dear. And I would assume that you're probably looking at, uh, the same, the same cap hit, uh, with his new deal. Uh, it says here that it would not be a surprise if the Rams are his final stop in the league. If he will have played for basically just just the Rams and the uh, and the Detroit Lions. Talk, speaking of which, how big of a middle finger do you think that was? Uh, Stafford winning the uh, the Super Bowl with the Rams in his first year after being traded from Detroit, how big of a middle finger do you think that must've been to Detroit management? I must've been a big one right there and there. Like it's basically like saying, it's basically like saying, fuck you guys. You guys refuse. uh, You guys refuse to put a winning team around me. So now here's what I can do with a team that actually can win games. And yeah. I mean, went, Stafford is a great player, but he was on such a shit, on such shit ass teams that, you know, it really didn't show how, you know, what he was worth. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, if he, I mean, granted he did, he did get the chance to play with Calvin Johnson, but other than Calvin Johnson, who else did he really have? You know, so no one. I mean, there's just there's just not really much else that uh, 
you know, that would have given him a reason to stay in Detroit. He's lucky that he was able to have been dealt because otherwise he would have been handicapped basically staying in Detroit. But anyways, uh, that's going to be it for us tonight. Um, Lou, thank you as always for joining me. Uh, We will be back. We will be back. I'm pretty sure at least we will be back next week. Uh, Unless I do, uh, unless I get a message from, from one of my friends. I don't know. We might, we might or might not be going to the uh, new England revolution game next week. So uh, I am going to, I will obviously uh, keep in contact with you, Lou. um, If, We end up not, not having for nothing, a show or but, not. You know, it's only eight weeks after the cup uh, came. They're already starting the season. <laughs> and I thought baseball season was long. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, we we may or may not be going, so I will obviously keep in touch right. with you and I'll let you know. Um, but anyways, uh, game, that right? will do it. Uh, I think so. I think it might be. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, but we, you know, we will obviously, uh, if, if we don't go, we will, we will be back next week, uh, for another edition of sports whispers weekly and everybody be sure to tune in Thursday night for the finale edition of the celebrity big brother three recap show. Uh, but for Lou and, uh, all, and the rest of, uh, of Sports Whispers. Uh, Everybody have a great rest of your weekend, and we will be back next Saturday night.